very long weekend of being a highly professional tennis journalist. I'm Sam Kelly and I welcome you back to Hamlet Pod. Davis Cup tie ever um, in terms of playing time and run over into Monday and as a result I've seen very very little of the football that we're going to be talking about this week. I'm joined however with, by two people who have seen football, uh, indeed Peter was employed by me to watch it on my behalf over the weekend so he's seen a lot of it and um, welcome to the man whose living room we are recording in, Peter Coates. Hello. And welcome again to Andres Bruckner. Hello. Gentlemen, um, in a minute, I'm going to ask you two what the highlights of the weekend were, because I've seen most of the goals, but I haven't seen any of the matches, obviously. Um, but first of all, we're going to run through, as we do, the scores of the 15 Primera División matches that have been played since we last recorded. And they went on Friday. Huracán won, Gimnasia Grima La Plata won, Atletico de Rafaela won, Racing Club won. On Saturday, we had Nueva Chicago nil, Godoy Cruz 2, Olimpo 1, Rosario Central 3, Aldo CB1, Quilmes 1, Independiente 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 2, Newell's Old Boys 2, Crucero del Norte 0. And on Sunday, Lanús 0, Arsenal 0, Defensa Justicia 1, Banfield 0, Vélez Southfield 1, Sarmiento 1, River Plate 2, Union 2, San Martín de San Juan 0, Argentinos Juniors 0, and Colón de Santa Fe 1, Boca Juniors 1. And then on Monday we had two more matches which ended. Temperley won, Tigre won, and the one match that I actually did catch pretty much all of over the course of the weekend was the last one, and it's not the weekend either, it was on Monday night. And it was Estudiantes de la Plata versus San Lorenzo, which finished 2-0 to the visiting team. Gentlemen, what were your personal highlights of the weekend? I was far too tired to be able to remember. Actually. I had three Go on. highlights. What a wonderful goal from... Barrientos yesterday, uh, last night. No, sorry, not last night. Uh, on Monday. Uh, then uh, we know for sure that uh, after four rounds, that Cruzeiro Norte will be relegated. And the, the third one. It's, it's a mathematical certainty already. Um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And uh, not highlight from this weekend, but after all, I think. And uh, the third one is, uh, I think it was a, a breaking news today that Santiago Silva will for sure be, uh, will end his contract with Lanús. Mm. Uh, he w- went, didn't go to the, to the training sessions yesterday, I think, or Monday. Then, well, uh, his manager said that he, or agent, said he will for sure not continue playing for Lanús. And, but Lanús board members suspended him for 30 days with no salary, uh, no salary, and... Uh, um, yeah, with no training also this when is you, strange when you've got a player who wants to leave the club that's not really the best way of disciplining them is it <laughs> well, that's well. it you're out of the club <laughs> oh right okay that's the reason why he, they did this I think is that they don't want him to leave to another club 
because he could do that if he ends the contract, perhaps he could go as a, as a free player, free agent to another club. And there is some talk about which other club that might be because, of course, Santiago Silva, as well as playing for Lanús, has also previously played for Lanús' great rivals, Banfield. And when he did play for Banfield, who was the manager of Banfield? Julio César Falcioni. Julio César Falcioni is now managing Quilmes and they're looking for a goal scorer. What a happy coincidence. And if you sign a player on a free transfer who's not registered to a club, you can sign him any time of the year you want. He doesn't have to be signed in the transfer window. Um, so there is some talk that if Silva's contract uh, with Lanús does get rescinded, that he might then move on a free transfer to Quilmes, which would be interesting. Why not in Silva playing alongside each other? They could actually do some goals. But Falcioni has already in his squad Claudio Bieler and De Melchori. The thing with that is that Bieler's shit. I mean, he's nowhere near as good as Sina. I mean, quite ironic anyway, but yes. Uh, uh. We started too quickly, by the way. I forgot to uh, get in that word from our sponsors at the beginning. They'll be cross with us. <laughs> Alphanet, as ever, ladies and gents, is being paid for um, by the Argentina Independent, which is a very good source of English language news. I almost said news then. It's not... You're not going to find any naughty pictures on their website. English language news from Argentina and across Latin America. You can read them for free at argentinaindependent.com. And now that that little word from our sponsors is out of the way, there'll be another one at the end, and we apologise to them for forgetting about them. Uh, let's get back on with the podcast. Peter, what were your favourite moments of the weekend? Uh, well, I think the perhaps most striking result was um, Union's draw in the Monumental. Um, what happened to River? I saw snatches of the first half from the press room in uh, Technopolis where the tennis was being played um, but I didn't see much of it after that I saw the second goal I saw River go 2-0 up and then a little bit later I saw Ognon's second goal sort of out the corner of my eye and swore a bit um, it was merited I presume the draw yeah I mean it was very strange because obviously um, River's starting 11 in the first place was very much a second string side. So they, they played Tigres of Mexico, of course, in the Libertadores last Thursday, so yeah. they had two days to recover. So understandably, um, Gachado named uh, basically an entire second string, and there was Mamana in there, and Duris, Durisi, and Simeone. Yes. Um, a lot of the, the youngsters. Um, but with that side, they were leading 2 0 at half time, and he thought, oh, right, okay, well, we're coasting here to a comfortable win. And I know, I mean, the second half was bizarre, really. It's the, it's the third of the match, consecutive match at the Monumental, with uh, three draws. And the, third, the, three, the three draws yeah, were competitions. With, with goals, yes, yes. Uh, com- uh, combining Copa Libertadores and Thirty team tournament or Julio Grandana tournament. Mm. Um, I think that the most, perhaps, or the key of success for River Plate at 2014 was the strong defense. And I think well, I, this time, key for not winning those three matches uh, uh, Copa Libertadores and, and, and tournament, uh, domestic tournament uh, matches. Is the same, but at the other, the other way around. Uh, the, the, the disconnection or, or the lack of concentration 
and well, the bloopers like Chiarini second goal was just he he expected the, the striker Chiarini uh, being the substitute uh, the the, the yes. really goalkeeper who was playing yes. Maravero instead. Uh, he, he expected the striker to have the ball which was not hit by him and, and that was like a, a let, let him out of position to, to catch the, the ball and, and well it, it was uh, converted into the 2-2 mm. mm -hmm. yes I think defensive uh, and, and of course a lot of, of goal opportunities uh, missed on, on, the on the first half and also the second one And this came, as you say, Andres, just a couple of days after River's first team uh, got a rather disappointing 1-1 draw at home to Tigres in the Copa Libertadores, which leaves them on one point from two group matches, um, and was largely the fact it was a very good performance overall. Um, they weren't clinical enough. Carlos Sanchez, who missed a couple of really good chances in the first half, scored the equaliser with a fantastic bicycle kick um, from a, a headed down corner. Um, and the header in question from the corner came from Eder Alvarez Balanta who was on the pitch because he'd replaced Ramiro Funes Mori who was injured and that might have been a blessing in disguise for him that Funes Mori got injured because he had another brain fart which led directly to the Tigres goal um, with I think it might be a bit harsh on Tigres to say their only chance of the first half but one of maybe two but by far the best one because the guy just got straight in from a long pumped up field um, I've heard a few River fans really laying the blame heavily onto Funes Mori for, for this. How, how much do you uh, think he's to blame, Andres? It's, it's hard, hard to, to say Funes Mori is, the, is to blame. Funes Mori is uh, the, 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 the main responsible for, for River not getting uh, three points. The, 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 the thing is that the mistakes he's making are, are then uh, transformed They, they, they then are, are goals into the mistakes are, are, are goals from the rivals. That's the main problem. Not I am saying that Funes Mori must go to the bench immediately. But in this case, he had to not even go to the bench because he was injured on the neck. Oh, and, and he, he suffered a, a foul yes. from the goalkeeper, very similar to um, the Manuel Neuer on Iguain in the World Cup final, but slightly more violent because it was up and under his chin, and a little bit different in that it was his own goalkeeper who did it to him. Which is, does that give us a clue about what Chiarini thought of Funes Mori's defending? Well, I, I, I did uh, ironically, ironically, the, that uh, Chiarini just uh, take, took into account that Funes Mori had to had to rest a bit, and and that's why he like uh, kicked him on the on the net. But uh, even Edelvars Valanta that against Tigres made a, a, a wonderful play that was. Uh, Deserve the applause for, of, of all the crowd. That, like he, he uh, I don't know how to describe the, the play in, in English. You basically, uh, think Franz yes. Beckenbauer. Yeah, well, and you know, combined with a little bit of Lionel Messi, maybe. But uh, against Union, he wasn't so brilliant. He was good, but he wasn't. Oh, what? Yes, please leave Alvarez Valente into the team because he's better than than Fortes Well, so, I think the danger as well is you don't want to put a centre back into the team because he can go and do it lovely pirouette on the edge of the opponent's penalty box I mean if you're going to swap him out if you're going to put him in there for Funes Mori then it's to eradicate the mistakes of Funes Mori so you're going to on the merits of his defending rather than um, 
Gold Evoca, I will just interrupt. Uh, we failed to mention at the beginning of the show that Boca Juniors are playing Samora and Venezuela as we record, and seven and a bit minutes in, they have just taken the lead. Peter, please continue. Well, yeah, so. If I mean, indeed you were going to. Well, no, I mean, just that was the end of my point, really, but. Which isn't to say that I don't think Eder Alvarez Branca doesn't deserve a, a place in the team, and I think, in fact, his presence in the squad is what puts the pressure on Fidesz Moreno every mistake comes under scrutiny because River are blessed with having a, a very strong defensive uh, bench not just in an area of the yeah, and, and, and particularly in that area of the pitch and all of a sudden it's looking slightly more um, less watertight than it did last season I think they've already conceded something like half as many goals in the league as against Olimpo in the league and against uh, uh, Estudiantes for the Copa Sudamericana he yeah. made some well uh, against Olimpo was uh, like he wanted to kick, shot, shot the ball and, and just missed it and against Estudiantes that Vera uh, just quit the ball and, and scored he tried to like uh, dribble Vera and, and well he, he wasn't successful River have so far in the league alone played four matches and they've conceded in all of them. And oh, I was going to say that they um, might not have conceded all that many in the whole of the transition. In fact, they did. Uh, but certainly they've, the defence has notably dropped off. In the first four matches of the Donnelly transition, they conceded one goal and it was on the opening day. Um, and they kept no shortage of clean sheets. Obviously, this was all got lots of time to change. We're four matches, not into a 19-match championship, but into a 30-match championship this time round. Um, and so it's not exactly plunged into crisis, but having drawn their two opening home games, it's a little bit disquiet. They have one two away, so, you know, before we go... I, I think it's a fairly significant week for Gishala, um with the, uh, an away match on Thursday in the Libertadores, which... Yeah. Is which a, is a really very must big win for, uh, yeah for exactly absolutely. it's a must win um, followed then by an away match to Arsenal which would, given their home record is it's not a straightforward game um, and it's a slightly bizarre weekend we have coming up just uh, to mention in passing the fact that neither River nor Boca are going to be playing on Sunday this weekend Boca have the match on Saturday because they next play in the Copa Libertadores on Tuesday next week um, and River play on Monday night uh, because of the trip to Peru um, so they, they, they've got Arsenal away on, at 9 o'clock or something on Monday evening as a result of which the uh, 9.30 Sunday the prime time match that's there so the football Paradolos can outdo Lanata in the ratings I'm not sure whether Lanata shows even on anymore but they've kept it there anyway uh, it's going to be Godoy Cruz versus Lanus <laughs> exciting one though um, other talking points from the weekend. I'm going to go through and pick out a couple based purely, purely on the results. Uh, and maybe one or two of the bits that I saw, because there is one match that I saw a fair chunk of somehow. I can't remember how I saw most of this, actually. Uh, no, maybe just the second half, or maybe I've seen the goals and think I've seen most of it. Uh, was Olimpo 1, Rosario Central 3, with a hat-trick from Marco Ruben, former River Plate centre-forward. Um, which means that Rosario Central are top of the table and after four matches they're the only side who've won every match they're doing alright under Chacho Kudet who's almost looking like a competent manager which is a lot more than can be said for his predecessor was it Russo? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the thing is that uh, as 
every player that comes uh, back from Europe is a, a big question mark. Uh, and I'm talking about Ruben, and well, he's he's showing that he's. Was he there? Wasn't he, or where was he? Uh, it's an obvious question. I have no idea where he was. He has played in Europe. I don't think he did. He come or was he in Mexico? It's time to resort oh, like to Wikipedia. But uh, enormous wealth of professionalism on this podcast. Marco Ruben's Wikipedia page. What does this say? Uh, he's on loan from Dynamo from Dynamo Kiev. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it was Europe. I, I thought, yeah. It is Europe. No, you're quite right. It's definitely Europe. I, 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 wasn't, uh, I, I, I didn't know exactly where he was, but uh, of course, Michare- Michareal was his first, his first spot uh, uh, after River Plate, I think. But what? Uh, Recreativo. Ah, Recreativo for two seasons, and then he went to Villarreal B, and then to Villarreal, which is the same club. I don't know why they bothered to. Um, Oh, because they play in the second division, of course. Uh, and then Dinamo Kiev, where, from where he's been on loan to Evian and Tigres before coming to Central. Continue, Andres. Uh, well, in this case, you you never know how a player that it comes from Mexico or Europe will be uh, after ten years, more or less, uh, of of playing for his first team, which is Rosario Central, and he's showing that his skills are are, are the same. Sorry, I'm laughing silently because his Wikipedia page on the individual distinctions has got the distinction that he has played for the first Spanish team ever, which is Recreativo de Huelva. I wonder whether every Recreativo de Huelva player has, has got that on their Wikipedia page. It's a bizarre distinction. Don't they give him a badge for it or something. Um, anyway, a bit of Spanish footballing history for you there, dear listeners. Um, Central, generally, are doing pretty good though, no? They had some real difficulty scoring goals last season, didn't they? Yeah, or they did. Misimagining that they scored about twelve in the whole of the championship, and so far this year, they've won four out of four. They've scored a way to Cristobal Nota, they got one. Way to Racing, they got one. Yep, and then I think they got two in the third weekend and yeah, three this, this last two one two one yeah and and three this last weekend. So that's uh, one plus one is two plus two is four plus three. I'm good at this. Max Giovanna <laughs> is seven. They've got almost uh, over half as many goals as they managed in the whole of the last 19 matches. Um, what do we think of Codet? Because it's his first managerial job. Obviously, four matches is a bit early to say, yeah, yeah. he's the next Alex Ferguson. But is he the next Alex Ferguson? It's too early to tell. But no, I, I mean, I, I think um, I, quite, I like the look of Central's attacking union. I think with Ruben as the number nine. Goldley Bocker. Um, Lodeiro with Ruben in the centre and then Franco Servi who we mentioned last week or the week before um, Franco Niel they, are, they have some good players there and I think against the majority of Primera sides they're going to cause problems so sorry you said I think a couple of episodes away that the no, there was no team Qualifying him as a, as a first team to their knockout stage, round 16 stage of Copa Libertadores that won the Copa Libertadores, right? No uh, first seed in the knockout yes. stages, yeah, in other words, the best team from the group stage has ever gone on to win the championship, the, the tournament. Okay. That is correct. Yes. Uh, why do you ask? No, no, sorry. Just to reckon that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's true, though, apparently. Um, 
What do you think of the defence, though? Going back to Central, not Boca. This is a rather confused podcast because we keep talking about the Boca <laughs> match and completely different things. Oh, sorry. Um, no, yes, sorry, Pete, that one was to you. <laughs> Colors of the t-shirts are similar, that's why perhaps you missed up Boca with Central, perhaps. Mm. They've had, um, let's see, Jonathan Ferrari, as opposed to Paolo Ferrari. They've got two people called Ferrari playing for them, which is a bit confusing, except that Jonathan isn't playing for them because he's injured. And one of their other defenders has been injured for a while as well. Can't remember yeah. Shemar and Gomez Andrade, the guy who scored the own goal in the yeah, team match. Yeah, but I think other than that, he's, he's looked um, actually, pretty yeah. impressive. Oh, Jonathan Ferrer was on the bench, look at that. So he's not injured anymore. Um, so generally, Rosario Central, we like. Have they played anybody really difficult yet, though? Well, Racing away on the first weekend. Perhaps the time to play Racing but, yes. season. But, but yeah. I guess Racing, he, did, did they deserve the win or, or it was just the mistake on... on Saka mistake and, and Serbia took advantage, of course. Well, with a yeah, very no, good so goal. obviously the, the goal three minutes in, as we mentioned at the time, was rather fortuitous. But Central, I thought, dug in pretty impressively thereafter and ensured that Racing didn't really get much of a sniff. I mean, it was a very good away performance, okay. But for that early goal, it might very well have been a draw. Um, but I don't think Racing ever really looked like equalising, in my opinion, at least from, from that match. And about Saka, we have to say, it's this is another a bonus track about highlights of the weekend, he had a very particular episode with Adrian Bastia. Oh, I heard about this, yeah. What happened? Take us through it. There was a, I think there was a fallen player from, from Rafaela and Racing, that, at that, that point I think they were winning, uh, didn't uh, give the ball back to, to, to Rafaela, and that's why Bastia, I think he said something Bastia, of course, is next Racing player. Former, yes. And Saha uh, just said, well, you are a, a gay. Okay. Uh, well, shouted uh, out to him like that. And some, yeah, some people... For a schoolboy, this is yeah, Some people even said that he was already gay. Uh, yeah, I know, it's a rumor that, that has been... Yeah, Bastia is already... And, well, uh, and, uh, when the match finished and he was uh, interviewed by TV, public TV, uh, he said that he, he was a bad person and he had to, has to show the good attitude all the time, not only when they are winning. I think he, he said something like, you know, yes. like, this is football, but there's, there's codes and like a, a moral. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. It's worth mentioning as well that Bastia did score the goal um, that drew Atletico yes. Rafaela level and it was a very good strike as well, actually, from outside the box. It pains me to say it because Bastia generally is not a player that I'm a huge fan of. Um, he's a dirty, niggling little bastard with awful, <laughs> awful hair. Um, but it was a very, very, very good strike. Um, talking of very good strikes, two of the ones that I actually did see when they went in on the television uh, on Monday night were, first of all, Federico Brandam's goal for Tempele. Mm. was a screamer, and he got rather overshadowed. Uh, he put them one in up, 48 minutes into the match, and uh, Marcelo Larondo... Um, Headed, I think, to Tigre's equaliser. No, he took it down on his, like a long ball on his chest and then poked it past the keeper. With his head? Yeah, it may have brushed the, his head. The head on the end of his leg, maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. 
uh, so scored the equaliser with one of his feet. Uh, but then, as Andres mentioned at the start of the show, Pablo Barrientos scored possibly the highlight of the weekend, and certainly the goal of the weekend, from 53 yards out, 49 metres, um, away for San Lorenzo against Estudiantes to put them 2-0 up. To put them 2-0 up um, in what I thought was pretty entertaining match actually we, we said last week that that looked like the tastiest of the encounters this weekend if it weren't for the fact that both sides were going to be tired due to the Copa Libertadores in midweek and it actually turned into a very decent game and certainly until that that, game, uh, that goal came um, Estudiantes could very well have, have snatched an equaliser there were chances at both ends it was end to end it was very entertaining I thought yeah I, I mean the goal obviously stole all the, the headlines um San Lorenzo continue to, to puzzle me, really, because I'm, I'm never quite sure when we're going to start, or, or, or is we this the start of... basically um, pretty awfully for most of the last year in the domestic exactly, yeah. football. Yeah, but then they started this season with two back-to-back wins, albeit not not great performances, but I thought, oh, okay, now, that, now they're starting to at least grind out results, and then they lost to San Martin at home, and, and like, oh, right, they're, they're still in this kind of post-Libertadores lull. And of course they lost to Corinthians last week yeah. uh, in the Libertadores at home, 1-0, which was something they didn't do in the whole of last year's Libertadores, they finished it unbeaten in their own stadium. Um, I can't remember whether that was before or after we recorded, I think it was just after. Um, so, I, it, it, do we think that this away win against the Estudiantes, who remember it? one of the sides who we were most impressed with in the opening three weeks. Uh, is this San Lorenzo starting to pick themselves back up again and are they going to push on from here? Or I keep thinking yes, but I'm holding off judgment until they've done it a, f- a few more times. Mm. Because, I mean, the, the defeat of San Martin was, wasn't, it's not just the fact that they lost, it, the performance was abysmal. So um, it takes a bit more than that to um, win me around. Indeed. Talking of teams who've lost at home, uh, it's that time again, Peter. <laughs> I'm afraid. Let me ask you. <laughs> Divert away from that. What happened to Independiente at the weekend? Well, what happened? <laughs> what happened was very difficult. Um, I thought before that Belgrano could be a team that caused Independiente problems, um, given that they do have a lot of pace and the likes of Senarashan. Begone um, would probably have a bit of a field day against uh, Independiente's fullback. Um, and the game was very, very typical of Independiente in that Federico Manquesha scored an excellent goal to give Independiente the lead, and then poor defending allowed Melgrano uh, <laughs> to, to come back and, and eventually a, a, a concede a penalty. And, to win it. So I mean, it was a sort of microcosm of the last 12 months. Just hope that you can outscore the opponents and sometimes it works and on this yeah. occasion it didn't, essentially. Um, to, to round off the big five roundup, we may as well just quickly mention that Boca Juniors were held 1-1 away to Colón, um, who got out their banner, the cemetery of the elephants, elephants graveyard um, banner, just after uh, the the player who scored the equalisers, equaliser, the player who scored the equaliser is a gentleman called Christian Wanka. Um, I don't say that with any 
pleasure, of course, at all. Uh, it's spelled G-U-A-N-C-A, but it is pronounced wanker. Um, Former Chacarita midfielder. Is he? Yes. Is he from Argentina? Yes. Okay. Don't, don't know if he's Argentinian, but he played for Chacarita. Let's look him up. I think he is, because only 21 or something. It cancelled out Juan Manuel Martinez opener, which I thought was a bloody good goal. Um, again, Lodeiro, the guy who's just scored uh, Boca Juniors' second this evening as we talk, um, the architect, a, a nice three ball into the channel, and somebody or other pulled it back for uh, Martinez to, to hit. Um, but Boca finding the Libertadores, although as we mentioned, they've got a phenomenally easy group. Um, what do we think of them in the league so far? Um, I think that they are, they are as easy uh, going in the Libertadores as, as in the tournament, although that uh, the last Sunday they like just uh, perhaps something similar or not so similar but to, to, to compare to another match, uh, the same thing that happened to River that they, they like uh, fell asleep and, and, and that permit Colón uh, get the equalizer because uh, first time or as what I heard it as first time of uh, a uh, Boca first half was just perfect or almost perfect because it was only one nil but uh, it's just to explain how the, how Colón got the equalizer is the magnificent goal from from Wanka um, but uh, Although that uh, deta- detail or well draw that didn't let them be be le- leaders of the table like, uh, uh, together with Rosario Central, uh, I think that they are they have team and they have a, a squad uh, or perhaps to put two teams two good, two teams similar good teams uh, just in Libertadores and and, and, and league. Mm. Yeah, I think they were they were pretty unlucky against Colón they dominated the game um, and should have been more than one up and the equaliser was a less, less 10 minutes of the match Colón just is like saying Boca come on score the second goal because yeah. they were they the 10, 10 players were uh, surrounding the, the around the area the, around the box and, and Boca couldn't score the the, the, the winning goal because uh, Osvaldo was not yeah, I mean, Osvaldo well. the... missed a very, very good chance. And I think in general, Andres is correct, and the, the, the strength of Boca's squad now is, is making them able, is it easily able to cope with playing almost two teams, one midweek and, and one at the weekend. But saying that, they also have had a very um, generous fixture list. Very kind yeah, competition so far. Um, yeah, I mean, in the league, they've had two the two home games against Olimpo and Rafaela, who are both in near the bottom already and will well, probably be fighting. Atletico and Rafaela are bottom, and I think Olimpo are seventeenth or yeah. something. So. And then their away fixtures were Dembele and Colón. So sorry, I said seventeenth. I meant twenty seventh. It's very <laughs> working all this out. <laughs> this independently of the, the team, we are supporters. Of course, we are River Plate supporters, and we don't like Boca. Well, Peter's not. Let's not write him Yes, us, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's fair for a team that uh, got the qualified uh, qualif- qualified to the main stage of the or the group stage of the Copa Libertadores through a playoff 
to get so easy group. I don't. I, I am asking this independently of uh, of the team that got the. the it's the luck of the draw. The draw was done before they knew who it was going to be. Um, and don't forget, they went through as Argentina one. As, as the, uh, sorry, Argentina two, didn't they? As, as the um, top team from from last year's from last season's uh, championship. So on that basis, they you know they, they've gone in as one of the stronger sides supposedly. Um, obviously, the playoffs shouldn't have been played because. Venice won it on goal difference and goal difference counts for that table and that was overruled uh, when the AFA realised that Boca might not have made it into the Libertadores otherwise and we're against that in Underpod and we've, we've explained it before um, but having won it yeah, I mean, sure they've been seeded as one of the stronger Argentine sides so I suppose in a way the draw was inevitable they got very lucky with it there's no, mis- um, there's no denying that um, for Colón, I, I wanted to speak. First of all, Wanker uh, is indeed 21. Well done, Peter. He turned 22 at the end of this month. Uh, he is indeed Argentine, and he has scored on his Colón debut, which is something I did not realise. He's played one match for Colón, and it was that game against Boca. So well done him. Um, Colón themselves are sort of currently technically without a manager. Only are they? Because do we think that? And I'm now desperately trying to remember his name, and I'm can't, so I'm just going to bring it up. Um, do we think that Javier Lopez is going to remain Colón manager? He said that he wants the job long term if they're willing to give it to him. And since he came in, they've certainly looked... I was going to say they've certainly looked better than they did under Ronaldo Melo, but in that they looked, you know, vaguely, sort of like they've seen a football before, that's enough to look better than they did in the first weekend under Ronaldo Melo after... Before, uh, sorry, after which he was fired, of course, after the first match. Um, and I question their um, managerial uh, choice choices if the last time they were in this position they chose Mostasa indeed so I think given, <laughs> given the job they've done pretty well so far yes absolutely I think they will be better because uh, players didn't like Melo and they, they they said this publicly it wasn't secret that yeah. Merlo isn't the, the first time that Merlo is has no good relation with with the with players and happened ten years ago I think it was when he was a River Plate coach and Marcelo Gallardo as the leader of the team went to talk with him saying that they didn't like the way that he made the draw or the way they they made they wanted the team to play uh, so. I think it will. They will be better uh, because and and for example, I heard uh, I think what one week or two ago, uh, uh, an interview that was made to Montserrat, uh, Diablo Montserrat, uh, Roberto Montserrat, former River Plate player, Colón player, mm-hmm. San Lorenzo, that when he was playing for River, and Ramon Diaz was the coach, he said that they also they didn't have a, have a, have a good relation with Ramon Diaz and that they did if they. Wanted, they could have uh, made make him resign or uh, make him go go get, go out from River. So and to be clear, which which Ramon Diaz spell at River are we talking about there? Ninety six, ninety seven. The the times when they won uh, Copa yeah. Libertadores. So he, he did all right for a, yeah. a manager who was supposed to be hated by the players. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to to hear it. 
Um, how about Huracan doing with uh, dividing the league and the Libertadores up? They got a 1-1 draw at home to Gimnasia and then they got a very good draw last night. Nil-nil away to Universitario de Sucre, um, the capital of Bolivia. Go on, <laughs> correct me. No, it's one of the capitals of Bolivia. It's the constitutional capital of Bolivia. Uh, in La Paz is only the de facto capital. There's your pub quiz question, uh, quiz master. Uh, hat on for the week. Um, they they got a nil nil draw at two thousand eight hundred ish meters, which was well better than River managed a couple of weeks ago um, against San Jose. I had to leave River were slightly higher up, um, and they were slightly indebted to the um, yeah, all in finishing. It was, uh, <laughs> indeed, yeah, it was a defeat that River didn't really deserve at all, but still, um, and indeed, Oracan also didn't particularly. Uh, dessert, although it has to be said that Urakan missed a couple of chances yeah, I mean, in the first good. half I was pretty sure by half time that they were both just doing it deliberately Urakan hit the post Ramon Avila played like a complete and total dickhead um, throughout um, the uh, the Universitario forwards were queuing up to miss chances it was absolutely insane it was very entertaining and it was very funny um, if you weren't a, a supporter of either one of the teams but it was a little bit sort of bizarre to watch as well uh, but this is the Copa Libertadores of course um, also last night in the Copa Libertadores Racing fell uh, at last they, they lost having absolutely twatted the first two teams they played uh, they were beaten 2-1 in their own stadium by Sporting Cristal of Peru um, in what I thought was also a pretty entertaining match no? and they were to watch it but yes <laughs> Did you see it, Peter? I didn't really pay much attention to it. Oh, I was. I was uh, but I, I was. I was. I had the opportunity to watch the the polemic play in which people say that said that it wasn't penalty. Oh, it was a. Sorry, it was a clear penalty. The commentator said it wasn't a penalty. It was a stupid. Foul because it was stated that it was not penalty, like a lot of people, is, and you perhaps end up. Saying the same thing that you hear that oh it wasn't penalty uh, and was a well, typical yeah, play in which there is a ball from the air and and, and and two players that are one of the of them or the striker is, is fall fell and, and, and he fell because it was referee can 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 give give the penalty or can cannot give it and, and, and he fell, finally gave the penalty and, and I thought it was a penalty. Uh, the gentleman who scored it was the same as the gentleman who opened the, the gentleman who opened the scoring uh, for Sporting Cristal and I can't remember his first name but his surname is Lobaton um, I think there, there, there will always be a Lobaton at Peru yes it was, it's, it's the law yes. um, and Racing's goal was scored by oh, Brian God. Fernandez thank you Brian Fernandez and it was a very good goal from a free kick wonderfully worked Prepared. Uh, in direct yes. free kick it was a really laboratory Yes, indeed. Uh, the uh, Twitter was lighting up afterwards with people queuing up to say that it was a, really a goal de Diego Coca, the manager, or goal de Pizarron, a goal from the blackboard, um, as opposed to Fernandez himself who'd scored it. But it was Fernandez, very definitely, who hammered it in. Um, and that. Anyway, they are, they are still first position leaders of the group. Yes, yeah, yeah. They they're a point ahead of Sporting now, I think, uh, and of course they've got the return fixture to play in two weeks' time, and I think they're playing the Libertadores next week. Um, 
San Lorenzo we've mentioned in the Libertadores already River we've mentioned in the Libertadores already one point from two matches and now with a must get win game uh, away in uh, one hour each to one hour each uh, in Peru yeah uh, in Chiclayo um, on Thursday night what was that? my, my feet oh right <laughs> very loud it might, it, it, a match that will be played sorry a match that will be play on, played on artificial grass uh, yes, with uh, River, uh, I'm very happy with that. Uh, you know, seeing that the field is well, River Plate can't can't complain about the conditions of the of the of the pitch because uh, monumental right, right, right now is is awful. But they say that it's Golden Boca. Great goal. That Caleri. No, it's not, is it? No, Carrizo. Thank you. I knew it would come with CA. Keep talking, Andres. Uh, no, yes, I, I was saying that uh, uh, Rio Plate can't complain about the conditions of the pitch, but they say that it's quite awful, and they will have to play with sneakers. Well, not sneakers, but with uh, like oh, molded studs, really. Yes, we've well, been training on a yes, with, with very small how you say tapones uh, studs. Yes, yes. Interesting. Um, San Lorenzo, we have mentioned to. Actually, how many have points of San Lorenzo? Well, they lost to Corinthians. What was their no, first match? Uh, nine now. So, oh, sorry, in the Libertadores. Yeah. yeah. They won, they beat the New Thank you. Yes, they've got three points from two matches, uh, but with two tricky uh, games away in San Paolo to come because they have to travel to San Paolo and indeed host San Paolo and also have to travel to Corinthians before hosting Danubio. Um, Boca are playing at the moment and have just gone 3 0 up, as we just mentioned, after 37 minutes against Samora, who look crap, quite frankly. Estudiantes? Can anyone remember what Estudiantes Copa Libertadores? It was 3-0 against Barcelona de Guayaquil two weeks' time. We and last, last week, week it was 1-1 against Nacional at Medellín. Oh yeah, away in, um, yes. in Medellín. Yes, well done. well done for remembering that. That was, uh, that was good knowledge, Andres. Um, I think that's all of the Argentine sides in the Copa Libertadores. So, we should say actually as well this um, this weekend. Yeah, no, actually, what I was about to say that was a bullshit. Say it. I was about to make a point about the newly promoted sides. The newly promoted sides are making a point about the newly promoted yes, sides. They're all crap. Have you counted the number of newly promoted sides that are currently in the bottom ten? I.e., would not be in the Primera right now. Six of them. Yeah. Four are in the top twenty, and two of them are nineteenth and twentieth. They're appalling. Okay, we're four matches into the season, so I wasn't going to say this on this week's episode if you haven't sort of tried to bring it up. Um, you know, maybe halfway into the season, we'll see how they're doing. But so far, a number of them have looked just absolutely fucking dire, including, uh, most notably, Crucero del Norte, who came very close, of course, to winning actual promotion when it was, you know, a valiant and applaudable thing um, six months before they did get promotion when it was going to be to a 20-team Primera at the end of the 2013-14 season. They were a gnat's hair away from, from doing it. Um, but since they came up, they've looked rubbish. Yeah. Just rubbish. That pitch is going to cause people some problems. I, mean, I would not be surprised if they lose every single one of their away games. I've said it. And both of the home matches against Independiente and River. Well, okay, the, the way Independiente and River are defending at the moment, maybe not. But They, they are so awful that they made make a... For example, Union, Temple, uh, Sarmiento, Aldo Civi, 
other other teams that have already uh, just got the, the the promotion, good teams or at least average teams. Yeah, and it's kind of I mean Tempelo for instance, the twentieth, they'd be bottom of the league in a proper Primera, let's say in inverted commas. Um, and it's, it's really frustrating because Cruzeiro del Norte, as we mentioned when they were looking like they might have beaten Independiente to the promotion spot, they're the bus company club, they're a bit funny, they're from Misiones, they were only founded in 1989. You want to like them because they're tiny and they just shouldn't be even in the third division, never mind the first. But they're so pants that it's just... It's becoming more and more tempting to use them as the poster boys for why this Primera should not be a 13-team Primera. The thing is to go, yeah, they're sticking it to the big boys, because they're not sticking it to anybody. They've only played little boys so far, and they've been shitting us. Like, they sent Venice, but they were shitting us. Venice. old fellow on the bus the other day wearing a Crisera de Rote shirt. I was thinking, <laughs> we need to be able to find those. But there are more, more than one. When you say old, how old? No, he was like a sort of 50, 60-year-old man. Where Cristiano Ronaldo should it and uh, so if he's sixty, then Cristiano Ronaldo were founded. I realise you're only estimating the age, but that would be no, like Cristiano Ronaldo were founded when he was uh, thirty-five years he old. He was definitely that's <laughs> well, put it this way. He was definitely <laughs> I don't know his age, but he was definitely no, sure. Born, I'm just saying. I mean, definitely so born before they were founded. That's um, but that's bizarre. And I don't know what he was doing. In there are more than one strange situations around the team. One one was said already said. That they will play against River and Independiente in another province. Well, they've confirmed that already. That's, that's happening. And they are di- using a different grass for their thing, for their pitch. So it's I think they're using Sherba Mate for their pitch personally. <laughs> it is longer, longer and heavier than the one that we are used used to to watch on, on another stadium. So uh, well, it's and apart from that, they are they are doing they are they are being crap right right now. What about um, on just as a devil's advocate, just to, just just try and say that not all ten of them are absolutely shit. Come on, Union are still unbeaten. We have a question about Union, and uh, they're a very good start, which we shall get to um, later. But yeah, Union. So in the end, now they did, they drew against Belez away. They've already gone against Independiente away, um, and in Cuevas have the only. Players who have scored in all four games. And Sarmiento have had a very, very tricky fixture. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, first yeah. game was at home, but it was against River. Then they had to travel to Independiente. Then they played. Aldosivi, Chuchu. Thank you, Aldosivi. Yeah, which maybe wasn't so difficult. But now they've got Meles. I think this weekend coming, they have got. Let me just bring it up here and see whether I can remember. Um, they're at home again, and they're playing Newells. And Newells are starting to look, in spite of the fact that we keep insulting or wanting to insult Americo Gallego they're at least dominating they do have a bit of a problem with goal scoring because Maxi Rodriguez appears to be the only player who knows where the goal is um, but completely dominant, dominated possession against Cruzeiro del Norte I know we've just spent a while talking about how shit Cruzeiro del Norte are it's 4-0 to Boca is it 4-0 to Boca Juniors no it's Mr. no it was disallowed okay looks I mean, like the only one that is not going to score is Ovaldo here's something um yeah, if Boca win 10 0 and Osvaldo's the only player on the pitch not to score, then I'll be uh, reasonably happy. Although Boca will have won 10 0. Um, but sorry, yeah, I know we've just talked about how crap Cruzeiro del Norte are, but Newell's uh, performance against them was one of the few that I saw a kind of decent highlight reel of, and they looked very, very good. In yeah. Everything but... apart from the penalty box, basically. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing, they're not going to come under any exact like, real testing from Cruzeiro del Norte. Um, and then 
the, the, the statistic of how reliant they are on Maxi Rodriguez w- would worry me if I was a Newell's fan when they play against much better sides than Cristiano and Monte. Because I, I read that in the last... Maxi Rodriguez has been involved, directly involved in 18 of their last 25 goals with 15 goals and 3 assists. And so far this year they've scored 5 and he's scored 4, four of them. Exactly. And I, mean, and I think certainly on the run was everybody involved in the other which was scored by Victor Figueroa. Um, and that, but, yeah, that yeah. concerns me a little bit because they are very, very reliant on him. And obviously, at present anyway, the re-signing of um, Skogoko has not worked out. And it, it, obviously in an ideal situation, they would have wanted him to come back and replicate something near uh, the form that he showed when they won the what was it, the finale in 2013. Yeah. Um, and so far, I mean, he's looked some way off that, unless he really picks up and is going to be still with uh, Maxi on goal scoring duty. Indeed. On that note, having recorded for 48 minutes and 15 seconds, I'm going to play some incidental music, we're going to refill our glasses and we will be back in a couple of minutes time to talk something else, maybe answer some listeners' questions or national think team, or perhaps oh, national team, yeah, we've got a squad to talk about haven't we, well done Andres, uh, we'll come back and we will talk about the Argentina squad that Gerardo Martino announced to pretty much no fanfare yesterday I didn't really see much of a fuss about it, but he has announced one uh, so don't go away No, this one. This it's month. 27th and 31st. 31st. Yes. 28th and 31st of March. Um, they are playing El Salvador and Ecuador. Uh, and the following players have been called up. Goalkeepers, Nahuel Guzman of Tigres in Mexico, but formerly of Newell's, of course. Sergio Romero of Sampdoria and Jeronimo Rooney of Real Sociedad. Uh, defenders are Ezequiel Garay, Pablo Sabaleta, Marcos Rojo, Facundo Roncaglia... Matteo Busacchio, Lucas Orban. That's interesting. I haven't seen much of this list myself, by the way. I was too knackered to do anything yesterday. Um, and Nicolas Otamendi. Uh, midfielders Javier Pastore, Angel Di Maria, Lucas Piglia, Roberto Pereira, Eber Banega, Enzo Perez, and Javier Mascherano. And forwards Ezequiel Lavezzi, Sergio Aguero, Gonzalo Higuain, Carlos Tevez, and Lionel Messi. Um, what do we think of the squad, gentlemen? One of the main talking points, at least in Argentina, I saw that somebody had been excluded, but I can't. No, I think work out who that is. The main talking point seemed to be the lack of um, the names that were being rumoured to be called up for the friendlies in the including question. Yeah, well, I think there's some local players to be added by the accounts next week, um, but some of the, there were obviously strong rumours that he was going to either give. Um, Vieto, Icardi, or... Icardi, Dybala, Vieto, and, and from the local, perhaps, stages, 
eh, Martino Sergio is following eh, Carrillo, Bow, eh, but they are strikers and we know that strikers are eh, national team is full of strikers. Icardi, um, we're taking this list by the way from a, a, a link that Andres uh, has provided us with. I'd say provided us with. Andres wrote it. Um, and, and we're reading Andres's uh, thoughts on it um, and one of the things that Icardi has quoted as saying sorry, one of the things that Martino has quoted as saying about Icardi um, is that Icardi's uh, public image isn't to my taste I would prefer that he concentrates much more on footballing matters but I'm not going to completely discard him right now and I think that we can all fully get behind that philosophy of Gerardo Martino's because if Mauro Icardi just concentrated on football rather than being a bit of a twat all the time, uh, he'd probably be a better player. Yeah, but I mean, saying not that, to say he's not already a very good player. Saying saying that, he is, um, I think, top goal scorer in Italy. Um, Which is uh, even better if you take into account that Inter is in the eighth yeah. position in the culture, so they are not yeah, yeah. getting Champions League, uh, I think, no, no Europa League. No, he's, he's top goal scorer in a side which is struggling in Italy and he's 21. I mean, it's. I, I understand where he's coming from. I think he said that since since day one on the, on the topic of he wants his footballers to be footballers primarily and anything else is, mm-hmm. in, is in the background. Um, I think there's some, there's obviously well, a lot of baggage with. He that. got married just a week before the World Cup was going going uh, to start. So it's of course he wasn't going. Uh, if if Iguain and Messi and, and, and Aguero were injured, perhaps before the World Cup, Martino uh, Sabella would perhaps uh, have considered calling up Icardi. And if he, if that happened. Icardi was, wouldn't have been available because he was getting married. So it's not very professional. Uh, if you want to uh, talk about the things he did, he doesn't, he, he, he does outside the the, 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 the team, outside the, the, the field. Uh, well, but no, he's, sure. he's scoring goals. It's, that's uh, the, the other truth. We could uh, continue to lay into Mauro Icardi for all of the stupid things he's done for the next 10 minutes without drawing breath. But let's move on because one thing I would uh, like to talk about. Uh, one thing at least that I note, one name that jumps out is a name that I have championed since River Plate first let him go on loan to Tigre and didn't particularly want him and then he continued to be amazing at Tigre and it is Lucas Orban who plays at left back and apparently can play centre back as well, he's tall anyway um, I'm delighted to see him in there feels like a player I discovered on Football Manager but he's not, he's a player I discovered in real life and when I say discovered I mean saw him on telly it's exactly the same thing, right? Um, uh, Orban, do we think he has a place in the Argentine national side? Particularly yeah. Orban and Rojo both being left backs slash left wing backs who can also play centre back. I would think Rojo and Silva aren't uh, ahead of Orban. Or- Orban and Silva are. are I-, I-, I see that Silva perhaps. I think more than Sabella in Sabella's head that he he likes to call up players, former Estudiantes players. But which uh, Silva are we talking about? Because there's no Silva in this Sporting squad. Lisboa one. He's not in the squad. No, no, I, think, so. I know, I know. Ah, sorry, okay. I, I, I think about if if he won't call up 
Silva before Dan Orban, but he has here an, a, good, a good opportunity to to show what he is made of. And, and I, I, if, if he plays like the one that played for Tigre, and well, yes, welcome to the national team. I, I like it too. Mm. And he can play both in the uh, back, in the centre back, and in the left one, back, right? So, so yes, it's good opportunity. Yeah. I think with uh, with Garay back in the squad, I'm pretty satisfied with the the group of defenders they have there. I think you've got a decent. Who, who would you presuming that Garay is going to be one of the um, starting centre backs? Presuming that it is a back four, um, and you've got Savaleta right back and, and Rojo at left back. Who would you have as the, the second centre back from that list? Otamendi. Yeah, I'd probably go with that as well. Maybe Musakio if he steps up, he's, he's played quite well this season, but yeah, I'd stick on to Andy and just add it. Andres? We will see also a former national team back, centre back here in Argentina in the two weeks' time because Nicolas Pareja will be playing against River for Sevilla for the Euro American. Bloody so Copper <laughs> Super Euro Americana whoopee direct TV sponsored friendly. Yeah. Yes, uh, but Sorry, if my uh, contempt didn't come across clearly enough there, I don't like this stupid glorified friendly. And the, but they are, discussing, they are discussing whether they consider it official or not. Why are they official? Why the fuck are they doing it in April or March or whatever the yes. hell it is? It's the middle of the season. It's going to clog up Rivers' fixture list. I mean, Sevilla have got to travel to South America in the middle of the Spanish league season. Why are they doing it? It's insane. Money. Why is it not January or August or you know, sometime when neither of them have got any competitive... Sorry, not August, July. When neither of them have any competitive action, that would have been much more sensible. Um, that um, appears to be... Back to the squad. I'm, Go on. I'm, more, I'm happy to see um, Rooley in as the third goalkeeper now as well. I'd like yes. to see that solidified and for him to eventually kind of rise to number one status at some point. Take the mantle. Indeed. Um... There's no Javier, yes there is Javier Pastore, so I'm going to cut that short, he's the first name on the list of midfielders, and I feel slightly silly for starting to say that now. Um, Pereira is in there again as well, having been called up of course before Tevez, before Tevez got his first call up, Pereira, who plays for Juventus as well, um, was called up, and he very much appears to be one of Martino's boys, doesn't he? Yes, yes, one of the... Possibly the only one who's really identifiable as Martino's boy, except I suppose Noel Guzman, but he's not going to be starting, so... Super. Yes. Yeah, I, I think uh, what this squad perhaps has, has shown, because a lot of people were hoping that he was going to test out a lot of younger players, which he hasn't really done, um, is just how close we are to the Copa America, and obviously Martino has that in mind and was thinking, I don't actually have that many friendlies yeah. to mess around with it's not perhaps the time to be bringing in um, for example the players we talked about Ekali, Dibala um, and have to try and set, you know, get some system into them whereas all these players are more or less are very familiar with, with how Argentina are going to set up I mean, the, the strikers yeah. okay Tevez has come in since Martino took over but other than that it's exactly how we were Mm. Um, and that's I think that's telling and we're going to go forward I guess to the Copa America barring injuries with 
a fairly settled squad, I'd imagine. Yeah, and of course the other thing that we've learned is that Gerardo Martino listens to the pod and has done for a couple of years because he's called up all about. Um, but that yeah, aside... There's a thing there that, well, uh, Martino can call up Icardi when, whenever he wants because he has already been called up, but Dybala ha- is perhaps in danger, not not really danger, but uh, if he's uh, as good as he continues being as good as he has been doing, uh, he can be called up by... Italy. Uh, by Italian squad, so national. Yeah, I, I, and I think his own his own attitude is, I think, has obviously kind of allayed that that fear that Argentina may have had of him going because he's, he's since come out. Even though Italy were very keen and kind of said that he's not really that interested and, and he's waiting and he's got plenty of time. But I think it's it's a strange time to be taking over the national team in some ways because just after the a World Cup. And almost immediately, the preparation has had to begin for a Copa America in 2015. Yeah. And then the following year, there's an, the, another one now. In, in another Copa America. And the Olympics. And I think the Olympics is going to be perhaps, especially if Martino, which he wants to, oversees that, is when we, when, when we will see all of these players that we've mentioned, yeah. who will be under 23, um, be part of that squad. Olympics and the qualifiers start starts also in twenty sixteen, mm. so it's no we we were three time three years for 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 Russia twenty eighteen, but only one for what for qualifiers. So mm. yes, yeah. in fact, the uh, technically the Olympic qualifiers start right now yes. um, on Thursday, well, the very first ones. But of course, that's in Asia. It's the Asian first round preliminary ones. Um, the South American ones, that Andres says, will start in the second half of next year. Uh, and now on to listeners' questions. I won't play any music because there's not really much point in doing so. Uh, Darren Paul asks the first question this evening, and it is, what the hell happened to Racing last night? They played like pants. Well, I already said that, yes. Yeah. Um, they were deservedly beaten, and yeah. But at the same time, they're going to be through to the Libertadores second round anyway because the other two teams in the group are awful. What do we uh, make of racing with coping with injuries? I mean, when Melito's out... When Luciano Lolo is struggling, which he is at the moment, their defence doesn't look as good. And obviously when Melito is out, the, the attack doesn't look anywhere but near as fluid. Which what is does happen exactly with, with the Melito has? He's, he's got a knee thing which means he's constantly doubtful for the next match but never ruled out and they just don't sort of want something to something that is back. more difficult more difficult to recover from because of his age I presume so yes. it must be wasn't it um, but yeah I mean they keep on saying oh you know he might play the, might play at the weekend or he might be held back for the next Libertadores game and then he doesn't uh, I mean he's only missed sort of three matches or four matches so far I think it's not like it's become something chronic um but yeah, it is because it's true so, that Milito is out of the team and Racing doesn't win. Mm. It would be a, a concern if it was slightly longer term. I, I would have, well, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially because when you look at the transition, when he did get injured, then near in the, in, in the first half he was injured for a while, missed a few games, and they dropped a few points. And when he came back, and they went the That's second half. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, unstoppable. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation, asks, not like River to surrender Leeds at home. Is this down to bad defending or a lack of efficacy? And can they afford a draw in Peru? 
to the first one I will say maybe a combination of both but they have scored in every match so really it's more on the defenders I think um, and to the second I would say no I think Peru is uh, the, the Peru game I the game on Thursday away to thingy um, Juan Alrich uh, I think is a must win for them yeah. if they can't win that then they're going to be sort of if they don't get that'll be the halfway point yes if they don't get a victory and perhaps for example get a, a draw they will have to start making some numbers in order to see if they have of course they have to win all the two matches home home condition but well I think the worry would be that they would then have to look at that away match in Mexico as a, as a must win and how the yeah. other players and they, and they won't want to have to travel all the way to Mexico knowing that well if we don't actually get a win here we could actually get yeah, down because I mean of course two, two of the home matches that they've got left also how the other teams do have an average and Tigres at Bolivia yes. that would be key because well Oruro San Jose Oruro won't get well presumably Juan Alrich played in Bolivia the other day didn't they because they've uh, no they did in Peru oh they did in Peru ok so nobody apart from River has played San Jose away yet in that group is that right let's just check uh it was two nil, I think, when I San Jose nil at also Chiclayo. Let's see. Yeah, that's right. San Jose played Tigres, oh, tonight, at home. Uh, so we'll find that, that out not very long after we stop recording this evening. Um, but yeah, it's must win, really, I think, at least in terms of the team's morale, if nothing else, because after this they've got Juan Alrich at home. At San Jose at home, and yeah, I mean, you'd have to think that if they perform as they did away to San Jose in the Monumental, um, it would be very surprising if they didn't win fairly comfortably that one at least. Yeah, um, I think that's the, the, the bigger thing is mathematically, it's, it's only the halfway point, it wouldn't be must win. Mm. But if they didn't get a positive result, then came back and the second string side didn't get a positive result against Arsenal, then I think there would be a bit of an atmosphere. <laughs> Um, and certainly a fair degree of pressure mounting on the, yeah. on the squad anger shell. Andreas B eighteen ninety six says hi and thank you for a great podcast. It's our pleasure, Andreas. We're glad you enjoy it. He says, "What do you guys think about Union de Santa Fe so far? Personally, I think they're looking great, and I really think they can get at least a top ten, or maybe even higher if they continue at this level." I think that's a bit of a push top 10 but you did say you were impressed with them yeah. no no I mean I think um, I think they were if I'm not correct they were probably the most comfortable um, side to be promoted they won their zone in the National B by some way um, so they come with the, the best credentials into the Primera um, and yeah they've, and they've looked they look like a side which were promoted on merit rather than just yeah. because of, they, oh ok right you can go up as well because you finished they have as a stupid little zone of 11 team. They have a pair of strikers that are quite good, like yeah. Riverio the other day against River was just good. Just they, they, He gets goals out. He's, he looks like a, a, a number nine if, that only uh, stays in the box, but he went out of the of it and, and played well, play very well with the, with the ball and without it. And Gamba, who is, yeah. uh, uh, apart from his surname, he's really good. And 
and score a river against uh, Chicago. I think a wonderful goal. What's your problem with this surname, Andres? Uh, no, but in, in, in Spanish language, is, it, it means like in, 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 in land, uh, slam, sorry. Uh, so uh, it's fine surname. Uh, so the, and, and off the bench, they've got, I think it's Claudio Guerra, isn't it? Yes. Cla Claudio Moore, yes. um, who is also looking fairly handy. I think he's scored, he's scored at least once for them, I think twice so far this year. Uh, so, yeah, they've got a good, de decent number of options. And I think um, that's, for me, that's the difference between them and, and perhaps Samiento as well, is that they have goals in them. Yeah. And I think a lot of the promoted sides really, you look at their team and you think, I'm not really sure who's, who from this team is going to, I don't know, score 10 goals, for example, in a long championship. Yeah. Whereas I think Samiento in Cuevas and the players we just mentioned for Leon have got a, a, at least one striker who does score goals and I think that will push them up the table and well away from the, the drop. Indeed. Absolutely. Samiento are actually the highest scoring side in the bottom half of the table having scored five goals in four matches. Um, and Cuellos has scored four, isn't it? Yes, I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Union, we like. Sarmiento, we potentially like once they start getting a bit of an easier run of fixtures. And they, they score in every match, could be. Uh, they, they score against Independiente, 1-1, one, one, against Sarmiento River, 1-4. Sarmiento scored in every game. Yes, Sarmiento scored, scored in every, every game. game. Yeah. Yes. I don't yeah. know, he, got, he went off injured against Bellesta. So, um, I don't He's expected to play at the weekend. Oh, yeah. They're, um, um, they're saying that he's going to be back in time and they'll be. When he, when he went off, I thought if he is out for a while, then they're in I would be very worried. Would, yeah, because yeah, they have conceded an average of two a game. This is Sarmiento we're talking about, not Union. Um, and yeah, Union, of course, as I said earlier, most of the, the newly promoted sides are in the what wouldn't even be the first division spots, and two of them, uh, two of those who are. Um, are in 19th and 20th in the first division. Union are one of the two who are actually up in a comfortable position for the moment of the first division. They're in 12th. The other, we should without looking at the league table, we're talking at the other team. Well, I was going to mention the other team that I know are still unbeaten. Gone. And that's Argentinos. Indeed. They are. Two wins and two draws. Both wins at home, both draws away. And they are the other team, um, of course, who aren't completely crap of the newly promoted sides. Uh, they've scored four and conceded one in four matches, which is not spectacular. But well, defensive wise, actually, it is very good. Um, goal scoring is not spectacular, but it does suggest they're going to get some value for their uh, goals scored, at least if they can continue that run. Um, Luis Bessone asks With the ridiculous 30 team league in place, have the promedio calculations been completely scrapped? It is a very valid question, Luis, and the answer to it is no, they have not. Instead, the promedios are going to take in, now pay attention, first of all actually, for any new listeners we should explain what the promedios are, because it's entirely possible if you come to Pod this year and haven't done any previous reading on Argentine football, that you don't know what the word promedio means. The word promedio is Spanish for average, basically. Um, and what is it the average of? The way that things used to work when Argentine football ran the European season was that relegation was taken on a three-season-long table, whereby the points that your team won were divided by the number of matches that they had played over the previous three years, or if they hadn't been in the Primera for three years, then as long as they have been in the Primera two years or one year uh, consecutively. Um, 
So Argentino Juniors, for instance, who've just come up uh, right now, have eight points from four matches, and that gives them an average of two points per match. Okay, this is simple enough. At the end of each season, uh, the bottom, the way it used to work a couple of years ago when we first started recording on the pod was the four years ago indeed when we first started recording on the pod was that the bottom two teams went straight down and the next two teams uh, played off against third and fourth of the season long table in the second division to decide who was promoted and whether anybody was relegated um, have those tables been scrapped this time and then sorry it moved to just a straight three up three down but using the Three up was the season-long table from the Bay Nacional, and the three down was the Promedio table, the average table from the previous three seasons of the first division. Have they been scrapped? No, they have not. They're still in place. And the seasons that they include are as follows. The whole of the 2012-13 season, so that's the 2012 Inicial and the 2013 Final, the whole of the 2013-14 season, so the 2013 Inicial and the 2014 Final, the 2014 Torneo de Transición and the 2015 season. So at the end of this year, which is going to be, I mean, after the playoffs and stuff, but it's just going to include the league positions, I think, isn't it? It'd better not include the teams in the playoffs as well, because that will get really confusing. Um, but at the end of this year, there are going to be two teams relegated, and they will be the teams at the bottom of this year's table, which is going to take in three and a half years. So, for any of the newly promoted sides, that'll be 30 matches. For the sides who've been in the Primera for three years already, prior to this season, it will be bloody hell. Um, how many have we played already? Four, yeah? So, we need to do 99 plus 26, which is 125, that's easy. It'll be 125 matches. Um, for, seasons, for teams who've been in the Primera for two seasons, it will be 61 plus 26, which is 67, 87 matches. Um, and for teams who were just promoted at the beginning of the 2014 Inicial, um, they've played 23 games so far, which means 53 matches. No, it doesn't. Shit. Hang on. 59. Bloody hell. 23. I'm better at math than this. 23 plus 6 is 20 is 29, plus 20 is 49. This is trying to do very quick maths in your head after a couple of finesse. Um And whilst also talking about the Argentine relegation system. It's going to be tremendously confusing for everybody. This first year, at the end of this year, 29th and 30th in that table are going to go down to the Nacional B, and 1st and 2nd in this year's Nacional B table will come up to the Primera for 2016. The first half of 2016 will see a transitional championship again, because they want to get back on line with a European season, and we will have another Promedio table, we don't know yet which seasons exactly that's going to take into account, whether it will also include a half season at some point or not. Um, but at the end of the 2016 Transition, which will run most likely February to June or sometime around there, we're, the most likely situation is we'll have four relegations from the Primera and two promotions to the Primera to take us to a 2018 season for the 2016-17 to 17 Primera season. The reason that we're doing it this way um, is that they, the, the, all of the clubs basically want to, or pretty much all of the clubs, want to get back down 
to a sensibly sized top flight because they're not completely stupid and they only voted for it before because Julio Grandona was the president of AFA. If you're wondering who Julio Grandona is, uh, then <laughs> listen to a few back episodes of Hand of Pod from any time, really, before June this year. Or in particular, listen to whichever number it was uh, in which we talk about the fact that Julio Grandona has died just after the first World Cup. Uh, just after the... Sorry, the first episode recorded after the last World Cup. Um... What was I saying? So they want to get down to a sensibly structured fl- top flight, but at the same time, nobody, neither in the AFA, who are having presidential elections in October, nor in the national government, who have a lot of sway over the AFA, one might say more sway over the AFA than FIFA would normally allow uh, if it were a smaller footballing country than Argentina, and who also have elections coming up later this year, also in October. Nobody wants any teams to be relegated before those elections because that would affect their popularity in those elections. Andres, you're dying to say something. But Please do. The breaking news on AF elections is that it's, of course, a rumor, but Marcelo Tinelli, who is in charge of communications at, at the AFA, uh, had a meeting with Maximo Kirchner, who is the President Cristina Fernández Kirchner. Uh, that, that's the son, son of the president of Argentina, not the son of the president of the AFA. Yes. Although it's easy to confuse the two. But uh, the, the government uh, pays uh, the clubs for the television, television broadcast of the matches, so they, 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 they are inside the discussion. And Maximo Kirchner asked Marcelo Tinelli if, whether it would be possible to postpone the, the elections of president of the AFA up to next year so that politics see, politics are aligned with you now know. you see what I'm getting at FIFA have a regulation that says that government interference in the local FA can result in that yeah. country being kicked out of FIFA since, since they carried it, they threatened to carry it out in Peru a couple of years ago um, Peru almost got kicked out of FIFA for it they, th- they carried it out in fairly recent years in I think Nigeria um, possibly Thailand or somewhere in, in Southeast Asia and a couple of other places and yet Argentina of course, is a far bigger footballing nation than most of the others who've been so far implicated in this kind of thing, and it's Argentina, so you know, well, fine. Yeah, but since Fútbol para Todos exists, uh, government, uh, national government or the political side has to do with football because I've, I've said for a couple of years yes. that Argentina has far more government interference in its football than FIFA have allowed in many other countries. Um, but basically, you can't keep Lionel Messi on the World Cup. So it's allowed to happen anyway. Uh, not, of course, that the FIFA has double standards. It's, it's a big news story or anything. We're not talking about this as a hand pod exclusive. Um, but still, uh, that's a very long answer to Luisa's question, which was, are the promedios still in place? <laughs> yes. Um, the answer to that is the promedios are still in place. Um, but hopefully you've enjoyed the little discussion that we had around it. And finally, Chris Murtag, or Murtag, I'm not sure how you pronounce your surname, Chris, I apologise, um, says, how long does Juanito, that is, Casares, have left with Banfield? He was so poor on Sunday and Almeida rightly hauled him off. I think possibly, a more pertinent question might be, how long does Almeida have left with Banfield? Because there has been some talk um, about how not everybody is entirely happy with him. But first of all, Casares, what do we think of him so far this year? Hans watched him very yeah. in action very much. Uh, Banfield's match was on was one of the three five o'clock kickoffs on Sunday, so trying to watch that 
It's very difficult to, take, to concentrate on it all at the same time. <laughs> Try to watch one on the television and then two simultaneously on two little mini yeah. football parallel streams. It's, it's very, very difficult, to, to especially, even more so if you're going to mention a specific player. As from this coming weekend, we can rejoice because the summer schedule is now over. Yeah. And we're moving to the winter schedule, and the AFA have announced the new kickoff time for the first matches of each day are going to be kicking off at 4 pm. It's one hour earlier. <laughs> so there's so loads of overlap, overlapping. We're going to have exactly the same situation as before. Um, presumably, at some point in a couple of months' time, they're going to announce that some games can kick off at 2 o'clock or at 1 o'clock or at midday. I hope so. Because at the moment, it's going to remain just as impossible to carry on. Of course, this basically affects me, because nobody else in the country is trying to watch every match every weekend. But still... Um, I, th- I think the really Casares form so far for Banfield can be kind of summed up by just looking at the number of goals that they've scored in general. But it has to be said that he's not been playing an awful lot. He's been coming off the bench. Um, and Banfield, as Peter rightly pointed out in his draft for me of uh, the weekend's matches, of his kind of review, all of their goals so far, they've scored four in four matches. That sounds, you know, one a match is a decent average. But all of them came away to Atletico Rafaela in the second round. Um, Casares started the first round the 1-0 defeat away to temp- uh, home sorry to Tempele um, he was on the bench came off with uh, came on with about 23 minutes to go of the 4-1 win away to Atletico de Rafaela by which point they'd already scored all their goals he came on in, in fact right after Nicolas Bertolo made it 4-0 um, and he was on the bench subsequently for the both the two pre- uh, subsequent matches and came off. Uh, sorry, hang on. No, that's not right, is it? Because he started, as Chris rightly identifies. Um, yes, he, he started away to defence against DC on Sunday, so he was on the bench for two games and he started. The problem with Casares, I think, is that uh, Almeida likes to play with three strikers. And it's, mm-hmm. Casares is more uh, creative or attacking midfielder not so not striker he could include it's him as a striker but, but at the same time he found a space for him during the transition um, so how come he's suddenly out of the team now I mean you could play Casares has got a fair bit of pace you could play him out wide couldn't you yes in, in one of those wide attacking areas I, I think it's an interesting one because it's almost a situation where the player's form isn't that great but to an extent you have to wonder whether the reason the form isn't that great is because he's not playing as regularly as he did before and he doesn't feel he's got the confidence of the manager anymore. But quite honestly, I've not been able to play. Similar thing happens with, with the, the young youth players that uh, Gachardo included in the match against Union for River in which you have to to show all, all the things you ha- you know in 90 minutes and mm-hmm. then you know don't know when, whether, when you were going to play again. So... Yeah. The thing is, as well, on the subject of youth players, Casales is a, a pretty young player himself, and he's not. He's what, 23, I'm going to guess, maybe? Even younger than that. You reckon? Let's see. But as the standout player in some regard. Well, 22. Probably the standout player for Banfield. There's quite a lot of pressure on him, and mm. I think Banfield not scoring goals then becomes. Oh well, Casares isn't really doing much, and there's yeah. more to it than that. And, and, and for that reason, I think I made a problem. That's why I made this coming under pressure because you, you look at that side, and the thing that 
is even more frustrating because they still do play some quite nice stuff. And this is the thing because the players have all rallied around Almeida in the last couple of days and they've said, look, we want to, we like the football we're playing and we know that the results are going to come eventually. Um, and I think that that does count for something, no? Yeah, of course. It talks, of course, about how the players essentially got, well, okay, the players didn't make Manolo's bed, um, but a big part of why Manolo was let go after just the first weekend of the season, which sounds insane when you look at it from outside, is that the players hated him. Um, but that against Manolo comes from the promotion, from this national bay, not only from. Yeah. So it's not that they lost against, lost in the first round, and, and they said, well, we don't like you just for this match. It mm. was something ago. That Definitely. Uh, we've had one more whilst we were discussing uh, Chris's question. Toby Millard has asked, what do we make of Tata's squad for the upcoming friendlies? It looks pretty well balanced to Toby and we've already answered that one, hopefully. Um, pretty well balanced to us as well, no? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much what you would um, what you would expect from an Argentina squad, I think. Uh, yeah more or less the best players in more or less the best positions and not really not any majorly controversial exclusions at least to an outsider okay people who only watch the Argentine league expect Manquesha to be called up and probably expect Magashan to be called up or yeah, but, like, me and Andres were talking about this before you arrived but, um, <laughs> thank you for uh, yeah, I, was, I was late again let's talk so before some comes yeah. no there are apparently some Primera players to be Added to the 22 that are all from Europe. Um, and I'm just wondering. Some debate on that. Sorry to jump in. I'm just wondering whether one of them just, just could be, and this might not be the most controversial suggestion, Fernando Gago, who has just been taken off um, of the Boca Samora game that's being played while we record and got a standing ovation. His form has turned around 180 degrees uh, since the start of the year, possibly partly because he's been playing alongside Cesar Meli. And Andres Corbas, who's currently injured, I think. I don't think he's playing tonight anyway. Yes. I hope he's not. He is. Oh, bloody hell, that's embarrassing. Okay, so Andres Corbas is back in. And no, he's no, allowing... he's injured. Oh, he is injured. Good. Yes. Right, excellent. Uh, I don't mean excellent. I don't want him to be injured. That's horrible for him, but you know what I mean. Um, but those two are allowing Gago the, the, the freedom to, without going too far up the pitch and trying to be Rick Elway, as he was asked to be at points last season and wasn't very good at, um, allowing him the freedom to play his own game. And it helps. But, you know, is he going to be. Yeah, well, he's, he's apparently one of, he, he seems to be the one name that I've seen in all the lists to say Gago's going to be called up as one of the Primera players and then there's a, there's rumours of the others like Federico Manquesho it's, it's a real shame for Argentina though that, that Gago wasn't in this form 12 months ago he was rubbish 12 months ago but he had to be in the squad because he was the best player in getting it to Lionel Messi and then he turned up to the World Cup and he was rubbish in that as well, even though he'd previously been rubbish for Boca or Belles, but good for Argentina or whatever he played for. Um, but that's a, beside the point. The next music, ladies and gents, that you're going to hear is Mystic Sam's theme music. And um, after that, Mystic Sam will come and tell you what he thinks is going to happen in conjunction with Mystic Peter um, to, this week's, <laughs> to this week's matches. If they're wrong, then they're all Peter's fault. Don't go away. I was like, I'll leave that to you. There, were, there, were, there was 
a couple where you kind of seem to be no, I mean, making the predictions. I think there's a few games which but, um, it's like, well, there's, I mean, without but I, words I, I, did, laugh, it's like, I did debate what you've written and then, uh, and then do my own over yeah. the top. So these are going to be, uh, trust me, anything that's wrong in these is going to be entirely my fault as ever. Last week, Mystic Sam got 6 out of 15, which is an improvement on the previous week where he got 5. He, not me, because it's not me. It's, uh, I, I put on a wizard's hat whilst I'm writing all of these um, previous. Um, and here's what Mystic Sam thinks is going to be happening this weekend. Crucero del Norte, host Olimpo, and I think, first of all, that it's going to be dreadful, and secondly, that it's going to be a draw. Racing versus Colón, also on Friday night. I think Colón can get an away point in El Cilindro. What on earth is that flying over your house? Christina's helicopter. Actually, that is my heart. I remember recording it. Like, but half nine is very late for us to be going home. Anyway, uh, sorry, Rassi against Colón to be a draw. Banfield versus San Martín. I think, having just talked about Banfield, I think that San Martín might snatch a win in that one. Boca Juniors versus Defensa Justicia, which is about six o'clock on Saturday, as we said. It's quite unusual this week. Neither River nor Boca playing on Sunday. Um, should be a Boca Juniors win. Gimnasia y Prima La Plata versus Nueva Chicago. I think that Gimnasia will get the victory there. Union versus Independiente. I think it's going to be an Independiente win. Peter, so congratulations. Sarmiento versus Newell's Old Boys. Newell's to win. Presuming that Maxi Rodriguez steps up and scores a goal again. Rosario Central against Temperley. This is first place at home to the team in 20th. So, Central, they're going to win it. Uh, Tigre against Atletico de Rafaela. I think that Tigre will get the win there. Atletico are actually higher up the table at the moment, but Tigre have had a very, very awkward um, opening fixture list, and I think they can get the win. Rafaela, one point up to 12. Oh, bugger. Coming up. 4-0 to Boca, and Daniel Osvaldo has scored it, so just allow me to tweet that. Congratulating their. Uh, oh, let's take a photo. What? My word. Bloody hell. <laughs> That's the kind of popularity gets you when you organise uh, sexy parties in the team hotel. Organised, you say, Peter? That's a controversial <laughs> statement. I heard that he was just there as an innocent bystander. No, Continuing with Mystic Sound, Argentinos Juniors versus Estudiantes de la Plata. Um, I think it's going to be a draw, which will be the first home game that Argentinos failed to win this year. But Estudiantes are a bit of a step up on their previous opponents. Godoy Cruz against Lanús, the big 9.30 kickoff on Sunday, uh, is a draw. It's a very tough one, though, that one. I don't know who's going to be in better shape. Quilmes against Vélez Sarsfield, I think, is also going to be a draw. San Lorenzo versus Huracan, the Clásico that we've done absolutely nothing to preview this week because we completely forgot about it, um, I think is going to be a San Lorenzo victory. They're just in better domestic form, at least, than Huracan, although we did mention earlier that it's slightly unpredictable what they're going to do. On Monday, Arsenal de Sarandí versus River Plate will actually be the last match of the weekend, or the round, um, but it's not the last of my predictions, but I think that River are going to edge it. And Belgrano versus Aldo Civi, I think, has got to be a Belgrano victory. They're yeah. comfortably a better side than Aldo Civi. Um, gents, 
Can you remember back to the start of my list there? Can you think of any that you particularly disagree with and would like to dispute? Not in this case. I, I, I remember having said last episode that uh, Godi Cruz will defeat Nueva Chicago with Leandro Fernandez goal. And well, I didn't bet on it, but it was like that. Uh, anyway, yeah, well done. Anyway, um, uh, we apologize, or I apologize, San Lorenzo and supporters, because yes, we forgot, but you you might understand that there are 15 matches. Yeah. Um, yes, it's it's pretty pretty hard to to, to remember uh, everything and what. Yes. Is this the first um, what we'd consider a real classic classic I think you're doing a bit of a disservice to um, the La Plata Classico. Oh, of course, yeah, no, I was, just trying, to remember, <laughs> I was just trying to remember what we've had so far. Because we're only in round we've, four. We've had Godoy Cruz against San Martín on the yeah. opening weekend, um, which is not a classic classic. It is a classico, it's a genuine one, but it's not a classic one. No, it's, sorry, it's about the 90s. In my head, that was the only one we've had. Um, like. We've had the La Plata Classico, of course. We've had the, uh, what we've got this one coming up, San Lorenzo against Huracan. And I think there's been one other one, but I'm struggling to remember what it was. Um, so I'm presuming that it can't have been anything particularly big. Actually, no, there hasn't been one other one. It's San Lorenzo against Oracan is, is uh, possibly the biggest. It's the first, certainly, of the Big Five Classicos, that, or the Classicos that involve the Big Five um, that we have had. And so, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, we're going to finish recording, and then if it's alright with Peter, and possibly more importantly, Peter's girlfriend, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes um, finishing off this bottom of Fernet and watching what's left of Boca against Samora, which looks like being a very, very, very comfortable um, Boca Juniors victory. Uh, for now, it's thank you very much to the people who have provided the bottle of Fernet that we're about to finish off, because there is about... Ooh, an inch or so of it left in the bottom of the bottle and those people are Argentina Independent they're an excellent English language source of news and cultural stuff and other sort of things like that that you can read from Argentina and across Latin America and they're available completely free of charge on argentinaindependent.com thank you very much to them for providing our booze because without it hand of pot recording simply wouldn't be quite the same it might very well be a much better podcast uh, but we wouldn't enjoy recording it as much, and that's the most important thing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please say in your heads uh, goodbye and thank you to Andres. Goodbye. And Peter. Goodbye. And me. Goodbye. Goodbye.